0: I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto.
1: The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Base Layer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Arca, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research.
0: This is David, and this is your new episode of Base layer one I'm looking forward to. I've been following the explosion in the Polkadot ecosystem for quite some time, and one of the projects there is called Moonbeam. I'm lucky to have Derek Yu, the founder of Moonbeam, with me today. Derek, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me, David.
0: Looking forward to it. So we're going to be talking a lot about different things here. Uh, the future, in Moonbeam's opinion, is multi-chain. We're going to expand on that what that means for Ethereum-compatible smart contract parachains on Polkadot, what all of that means. Uh, but before we get too far into what Moonbeam is and what you all are doing there and why it's important, we always like to talk to our founders about what they did prior to this. Uh, you were at Fuse for a very long time. Uh, you have a technology background, it appears. How did you get into the world of distributing decentralized systems into blockchains? And how did you get the idea of founding Moonbeam?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, I'd say my, my background really has just been building uh, software companies and uh, technology companies my whole career. So that's, geez, that's probably about twenty five years now at this point. Um, and uh, but you know, obviously, almost all of that in just the regular, you know, Web one initially, and then Web two uh, worlds. Um, as you say, kind of the, the notable thing I'd say that uh, from my career before this is um, uh, that I started back in two thousand six uh, a company called Fuse. Um, you know, was there for you know had a pretty long run there, about thirteen years there, building that company up. That was a you know, web two cloud uh, you know, enterprise focused cloud technology business. Um, you know, grew to a reasonable, you know, you know pretty substantive scale at uh, the time I left uh, at the beginning of twenty nineteen uh, to start the present. You know, my present adventure here in the, the blockchain space. Um, you know, Fuse was about a you know, seven hundred person company, about one hundred fifty million dollar run rate um, uh, business. So um, yeah, definitely had kind of learned a lot in that, you know, in that process, in particular, kind of, um, I call it kind of the book of many chapters, right, kind of, you know, all these kind of phases that you go through when you're trying to uh, build a technology company, I think that's, and you know, that's actually helped quite a bit, actually, in the present venture, of just having um, uh, that experience, the uh, the story of how I got into crypto, though, uh, you know, I do not have kind of this OG story going way back uh, <laughs> at all. So uh, the, the story is that my co founder from from this company fuse that, um, you know, we, we started together, um a guy named Steve Kokinos, uh you know he left to start a crypto project basically and so it's really you know you work with someone for many years and then you know they're going off to you know to do this thing you kind of are naturally curious right so and that project about,
0: that project know. would be Algorand if I'm not
1: mistaken that that's right so he's the you know he uh left to uh, you know he met uh Silvio Macaulay uh you know uh, here in Boston and then you know he left to start Algorand with Silvio so uh, that, you know, that that's kind of what got me quite interested. You know, he obviously was pretty excited about it. Uh, this was back in, I guess, would be 2018. Um, and um, yeah, so, uh, you know, that's that got me quite interested as well. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I think once I learned, you know, more about kind of what he was up to and what was happening, uh, then I was like, I, I have to, you know, I have to do something in this space. I mean, it was just quite clear. I mean, exactly what wasn't exactly clear as, uh, you know, with many startups, we, you know, You kind of arrive and then you're like, okay, like what next? And, we, you know, we, um, you know, that's part of the rest of the story is, you know, we we kind of, uh, you know, found our way to, you know, to Moonbeam, uh, but, uh, but that's, you know, that's initially how, you know, what the initial interest was, was kind of through this, you know, personal connection. And uh, that led to starting PureStake, you know, the company at the beginning, in the beginning of 2019.
0: And we had Steve on the show with Silvio about a year and a half ago. So if you're listening to this, you can go back to the library either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to. And you can find the episode uh, with Steve and with Silvio uh, talking about Al Grand and what that is. And so let's move to Moonbeam. Um, but before we do that, we need to talk about Polkadot. So for those that are learning out there, the institutional investors and others out there, there is a world of what we call Layer 1s. Layer ones are foundational blockchains, if you will protocols, where you can build on it. Uh, in my opinion, and one of the analogies I've used is that in the early nineties, you had to have TCP IP, which was a foundational protocol in which you then had HTML, SMTP, and all the different other protocols that we have now for email and for internet. And so Ethereum uh, is one of those. Polkadot has arrived on the scene over the last few years to rival it in many people's opinion. And so why I'm talking about all this is that Polkadot is a network of connected blockchains. Each blockchain that is directly connected to Polkadot is called a parachain, and there's a reason why we're talking about this. Polkadot provides shared security and a means of communicating between parachains that are on the network. And so Moonbeam is one of those parachains connected to Polkadot. So talk to us a little bit about the Polkadot ecosystem. Uh, It has emerged, as I said, over the last year and a half to two years as a contender, if you will, in the protocol wars. I say that with a laugh. Um, You know, there is always been the debate if there is protocol wars, if we're going to see Ethereum versus Polkadot or Polkadot versus Solana. Uh, In my opinion that I've shared publicly is that I think that each one of these blockchains, will serve its own sector niche. Uh, We'll see ones that are specializing in NFTs, ones that are specializing in gaming, ones that are specializing more in DeFi, Uh, but obviously that is up for debate. And so for this conversation, talk to us about Moonbeam being a parachain connected to Polkadot. Unravel that. What does that mean for those that are just learning about Ethereum, have spent the last year and a half trying to understand Bitcoin? Explain what that means.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to uh, the, a lot of possible things to come. Kind of unpack there. So let me, maybe I'll start with just like the why it is that we kind of were initially attracted to Polkadot and like why you know why we kind of uh, you know started kind of engaging and, and kind of building there. And so I think you know again a lot of the way we look at things I think is coming is, is we're coming from this kind of like Web two world. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's influenced a lot of how we look at you know, kind of the blockchain kind of uh, ecosystem. So notably, like some of the things that are missing, I guess is the thing that, you know, I'm struck by. And so I think when we first kind of came into the space and we're working, we said, okay, uh, you know, these people that are talking about there only ever being like one blockchain, I mean, that makes no sense at all, right? I mean, there's going to be many of these things, right? I mean, the only uh you know and as you say like the, you know they're going to become specialized to particular use cases i mean that's certainly something that you know we just see in the evolution of computing and other things in the in the regular you know in kind of the non blockchain world so kind of this that was almost a premise for us was there's going to be many of these um you know specialized to different you know functions as you say but you know the thing that becomes obvious then is okay if you're going to have many of these things the question is how do they talk to each other uh you know it's not that interesting if you have you know, a bunch of systems that are kind of all isolated, like all islands onto themselves. So, you know, what's the networking layer? Like, what is, you know, how do you basically exchange information or interact like between these things? And so that was kind of the lens through which we looked at this. And then we said, okay, well, who's kind of working on that problem? And I think you get led pretty quickly. There's not that many, you know, um, projects that kind of put this kind of networking like at you know, in, in as a core part of like what they're doing. And you know, Polkadot is—I uh, would say—one probably the best example of of that, right? So they kind of have this vision of um, enabling people to create specialized blockchains that you know are are sometimes purpose-built or kind of you know optimized for certain functions, but then providing this kind of networking layer where those specialized blockchains can communicate with each other. So I think that idea—I mean, I think to me that's the core Polkadot kind of value prop or kind of like their their vision. And that was quite attractive to us. I and mean, I think we kind of bought into that from the start. And so that's why we we engaged in the first place with, you know, into this like Polkadot ecosystem. So then, of course, the next question is, well, what is it, what's our specialized chain going to be? What are we going to do uh, that's, you know, that's useful, like in this ecosystem? And that's where I think just kind of working, uh, you know, in Polkadot, they, they provide this, uh, this thing called substrate. So substrate is this framework that um you know the company parity that's you know uh, uh one of the entities kind of behind the polka dot you know they offer this basic development toolkit as this kind of way to build uh you know blockchains uh in in the polka dot ecosystem and it's, it's quite powerful right so I think um you know for people that are building blockchains from here on out they're undoubtedly going to use I mean there's only a couple choices but you know use something like Substrate this kind of framework that Kind of, um, you know, dramatically reduces the amount of work you have to put in uh, to build a blockchain. I mean, building a blockchain right. from scratch is like a huge effort, right? I mean, that's like right. a you know multi-year effort with let's call it like a thirty-person team, forty-person team. You know, using one of these frameworks, you probably reduce it down to. You know I would say probably 10-15% of like of the effort. I mean it's a massive reduction. And it's right. kind of similar to what I saw like in the early days of the web where you know in the early days you like rolled everything by hand. Like you built all of these like low-level things, but then mm-hmm. you know these frameworks came along that made it like much, much easier to build web applications. So it's the right. same same thing, idea. So um so we started working with this and I think what we realized we said this is like very, very powerful and um you know uh, it makes sense for us to use but we kind of also realized that it wasn't going to be a good fit for everyone, right? Because you're still building, even if it makes it much, much easier, you're still building your own blockchain. And that's not a good, you know, that's a good fit for certain use cases, but not a good fit for all use cases. So I think that's where we saw the opportunity to say, we should build one of these chains, but offer this kind of higher level development experience, this more smart contract-like development experience, because that's what, a lot of developers coming from Ethereum and other, you know, other systems are kind of already familiar with working in that mode. Right. And so that's the kind of opportunity we saw. Like we were like, we you know, we think that there's an opportunity to kind of, you know, create the specialized chain, but have it become a developer platform that offers a familiar environment to existing, you know, blockchain developers.
0: And everyone who listens to me knows I love analogies and metaphors to try to make it a little even more simple. And you started getting there and I wanted to interject, but then you were going on to a few other really great yeah, points, absolutely. but The way I like to think about Substrate is, and you were alluding to it back in the day before 2006, give or take, if you wanted to have an online presence, you would have to have HTML and CSS and Python coders with you. You'd have to obviously have them on on contract to uh, build your e-commerce website um, in all those different capacities. And then, all of a sudden, Wix came about in 2006, give or take. And all of a sudden, a, <clears throat> a retailer could go there and design their website, a few point-and-click you know, pieces there. Of course, you can obviously add CSS or other different languages to make it a little bit more sexy, if you will. But the basics were there, and you could get started. And you didn't have to start from ground zero. And that's kind of what Substrate is, in my opinion, it is similar to Wix, And if you look, there are, if you Google this, if you're listening, you can Google the amount of websites uh, and Internet traffic there was over the course of the last 20 some odd years. And as I said, again, Wix, I think, came out around 2006. And if you see it, hockey sticks up that all of a sudden you had massive amounts of e-commerce sites and everyone was building their, their presence online. And so I think what you're alluding to there makes a lot of sense. Because it was convex. It was very difficult over the last two to three years. If you wanted to build a blockchain-based presence, not very easy. And so Substrate definitely does that. And so I want to shift a little bit more to specific specific things about Moonbeam. And so you talk about this um, on your site. There's lots of great information. I will make sure everyone goes to your site to learn more. But it says, who is benefiting from Moonbeam? And so there are existing Ethereum based projects that can move portions of their existing workloads and state off of Ethereum layer 1 with minimal required changes. Talk to us about why that's a value proposition and how that really feeds into things that have been talked about over the last, you know, 6 months. We've seen this massive move from, you know, layer 1s that are getting very congested like Ethereum. To this notion of layer twos, like Polygon and other things out there, uh, to really assist with the workload. So, talk to us about mm-hmm. that as a benefit to Moonbeam.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, w- w- what was clear to us that is that there was this opportunity to create a higher level developer oriented platform within Polkadot. The question was, well, w- you know, what approach to take. And, you know, for us, and again, this is kind of based on. A lot of our uh, previous, um, you know, kind of company building experience in the technology space, you know, right now, like the the technology stack around the Ethereum platform is basically the most widely adopted, you know, technology stack. So that's like where you have the largest amount of developers. That's where you have the largest amount of, uh, you know, code bases. Right. Um, it's historically been kind of the the prominent, you know, smart contract platform. So to us, like, you know, it made a lot of sense to basically uh, implement, uh, this Ethereum style technology stack, um, as kind of the way that developers would interact with our platform, because by doing that, you know, you get two main benefits. One is that, you know, there's already knowledge of how to use it. That's one you get compatibility with these existing tools that, you know, have been created around the Ethereum ecosystem. You know, those have been worked on now for five, six years. So, um, you know, they're at like, a you know, at least as far as blockchain development goes, like the, the, the most mature development, like a uh, tool set. And then it kind of opens a door for folks that are deployed uh, to Ethereum, um, you know, to it's kind of, a, it's like a very like low friction, you know, kind of path, right? So if you're on Ethereum and have a deployed application there, you know, in the approach we've taken, this Ethereum compatible approach, people can take their code base and basically just redeploy it to Moonbeam and it's going to work. So, um, you know, th- there's a number of kind of practical reasons why, you know, kind of this Ethereum, you know, compatibility Approach like you know we felt was like the right one, so that's what we you know we, we worked quite closely with uh, the team at Parity, and you know that's kind of the a core part of the work we've done is kind of implementing this Ethereum-like environment or experience, uh, but on um, but on Polkadot.
0: Agree or disagree, do you think that bridges like this are the future in, in terms of interoperability with other blockchains, whether they are specific to, as I said, NFT blockchains or to gaming blockchains like Flow, um, do you think the future is really where all of these different layer ones and layer twos are talking to each other seamlessly? Is that really the future?
1: uh well as i said i I do think that you know the future is just going to have an increasing number of blockchains and they they do need the ability to communicate with each other now i think that communication happens in different ways right now Mm -hmm. um so um you know for a lot of like the cross-chain communication happening right now it's kind of like layering on top of the base layer protocols that you were kind of talking about before right so you have these the concept of these bridges you have uh, different kinds of techniques. There's actually quite a bit of, um, you know, uh, different experimentation and innovation happening in this area. But there's, you know, a lot of different techniques for trying to build connectivity between chains. Uh, what I would say, though, is that all of those techniques usually carry, there's a bunch of nuance to them, right? There's a, you know, for example, with bridges, you have to ask yourself, okay, who built it? Who? What are the kind of infrastructural kind of elements supporting that bridge? Uh, what are the trust assumptions? There's all these kind of things you have to understand, like to understand if it's going to be safe to cross that bridge. Uh, this is where I think, you know, something like, um, you know, Polkadot has like some inherent advantages because they've built this networking like into the base layer itself. So there's no kind of additional security or kind of trust assumptions being made, you kind of get this networking ability natively, like on the platform. Uh, that's, so that's, that's you know, something, um, you know, that kind of was a, a motivation for us, um, you know, in kind of putting, a, you know, we think that this connectivity is like very, very important. Right. Um,
0: so I want to switch to governance. So you are the founder of Moonbeam, but all of these projects are obviously moving to decentralized governance, uh, you know, It could be said that from day zero, if you obviously consider day zero, the first days out there, usually there are some layers or some pieces that feel a little bit more centralized. You have a few people out there that are obviously building community, that are obviously doing the work of the network, and then it moves to more of a decentralized governance process. And so you are leveraging the Democracy, Council, and Treasury substrate frame pallets. Um, similar to how Kusama and Polkadot relay chain are governed. Talk to us about that as people are very interested in how these projects are being run. So talk to us about your governance.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I I would say that uh, kind of a core philosophical tenant that you'll find in the Polkadot ecosystem is like a pretty deep commitment to uh, on-chain forms of governance. And, um, you know, this is something that, you know is is debated you know i think that there are other chains you know uh you know certainly you'll find from ethereum that like people you'll find people that do not believe in on-chain governance approaches uh we're pretty convinced i mean like uh you know i think uh you know i think that um you know this uh the like putting like the, the governance on chain and having kind of a clear system for deciding like what's going to happen um you know that really uh it kind of like settles a lot of the a lot of the, the fighting that you see happening when you don't have a system like that in place. And a lot of the, the kind of backroom politics. Uh, it's on chain. Anyone can see it. Anyone can kind of interact with the, the governance systems. And, you know, it is a uh, token weighted generally. Right. So it's you know, you have to express yourself like with the, the tokens in the network that becomes a, a key a kind of utility of the tokens is being able to participate and express, um, you know, express yourself in this on chain governance process. And I think for us, so it's kind of this clarity of this of uh, you know uh, how key decisions are going to be made that's very important. But I think what it also does, and this is kind of a key thing for us, is um, it, it, you know its governance around like upgrades of the chain itself is like a very critical component. Um, this is where you know one of those you know I mentioned before that when you're coming from Web two, you come to Web three. There's striking things and. You know, I have this, this several things that like, you know, I always talk about as being the, hey, this is, I have to explain to people who have only been operating in the Web3 space, hey, this is like not like how things normally work. Uh-huh. One of those things is like upgrades. So, you know, for a, a blockchain project, it might be that they upgrade, what, maybe a couple times a year, like uh-huh. you know, three times a year. And, you know, this is what I sometimes explain to people who, you know, haven't worked in some of these web, you know, in a regular Web2 companies, like, you might have three deployments a day, basically, like, you know, and, you know, some of the larger companies, you know, you start on day one, you do a deployment, like, so, you know, I think, kind of, by using these on-chain governance mechanisms, and, you know, and using them to drive upgrades, you know, that's a way you can achieve, you know, higher velocity, like, you know, you can kind of, you know, you're able to basically, like, evolve your chain, like, faster, and, you know, that's quite important because this market is changing like so quickly, basically, you need this like ability to kind of like react to what's happening in the market and kind of, um, you know, kind of respond to, you know, users that are trying to deploy to you. Right. And so right. that's something that's quite attractive, like, uh, you know, to, to us.
0: So as we're getting uh, toward the top of the time with us, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and again, on my show, I never talk about token prices, forecasts or any of that kind of stuff. But it is worth noting that there are two different uh, digital assets tokens uh, in this ecosystem at Moonbeam. There is Glimmer, which is effectively what you consider your utility token for the network. Um, And then there is Moonriver, which uh, you talk about also as a utility token. Um, And they are one of them. uh, Glimmer is on Polkadot on the relay chain, and one of them is on Kusama. Talk to us about the function. What each one of these Glimmer and Moon River are meant to do. What is your purpose? What is your utility? As you listed as a utility.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, I already mentioned you know one important one is this governance function um, you know, that, right. that I mentioned. Uh, but there are two other uh, very important parts. So um, you know, the other part I'd mention is that uh, there is a uh, kind of staking system uh, that is on the platform that drives the kind of the decentralized block production of the network, kind of the infrastructure of the chain. Uh, So that is uh, another important utility is basically this system that uh, allows us to have an open and permissionless set of uh, what they call collators, which are the block producers Uh in our system uh, that uh, are basically responsible for producing, uh, producing blocks. So that's another uh, key thing, but the most important and probably the thing that, you know, most people will kind of immediately understand is, you know, we have this, Ethereum-like system, and we've gone to great lengths to be, you know, as Ethereum-like as possible. So, we, you know, our token, uh, the token also does serve kind of a similar uh, function as ETH does on Ethereum. So you use it um, as gas uh, when you're sending, you know, when you're executing smart contracts, as an example. Um, So that's, you know, uh, a third and probably uh, in some ways, uh, the most important of the utilities is that it's used to, provide security for the system um, you know, to meter smart contract execution.
0: Got it. So as, we're, as I said, uh, we like to keep the shows around 30, 35 minutes so people can get excited and then do their own homework on this. One of the things I wanted to give you some time to talk about is uh, the next 6 to 12 months. You had a lot of things that happened in June, um, which, of course, you can tell people about now. Uh, but there were some, obviously, some events that happened in June. But what's some of us? What should we look for for the next six to twelve months in terms of deployment and development? Any new uh, kind of strategic uh, initiatives that you all are working on there?
1: Yeah, I would say that you know, obviously, we're, we have been working on the project for a long time, so we're just now getting to the uh, the live deployments of the the, the two value barrier networks. Uh, uh, that we'll be launching. So one of those is uh, Moon River, as you mentioned, which is on the Kusama network. The other one is Moon Beam, which is on the Polkadot network. Uh, so that's happening in the next uh, in in the next uh, few months. Both of those networks will be operational. The Moon River one, um, you know, we're about uh, you know we're only like a, a small number of weeks away, about four weeks away from that being fully operational. Um, so you know that's been exciting for us to kind of get to you know get to that important milestone like in our development process. But what what I'd say is I'm I'm most interested in and most bullish on kind of the the way forward, like, you know, post kind of launching these networks. Um, You know, a couple of things I've mentioned here. One is that, you know, we continue to see this, like, you know, a pretty high amount of interest uh, in teams that are pursuing this kind of multi-chain deployment strategy. So, you know, there's a lot of teams now that may have started on Ethereum, but now they're expanding to new chains. And in particular, they like, uh, you know, expanding to Ethereum compatible chains, because that means that, you know they don't have to you know reengineer their their uh, their protocols. They, they can just deploy them kind of as they are, and so you've seen that I think that there was a earlier this year there was you know a large amount of movement to BSC. Uh, more recently, it's been to Nomadic now Polygon right as uh, you know had a lot of activity. But I think um, you know we're uh, quite well positioned to also pick up you know a lot of activity um, you know once we launch. And in particular, even within that, I'd say that I'm probably most bullish on. Uh, the emergent DeFi ecosystem on both Moonriver and Moonbeam where we have already like quite a number of partners, uh, you know, in this area. And you know, I see we have you know, this a great opportunity to kind of bootstrap this entire DeFi ecosystem, um, you know, on both Moonriver and Moonbeam. And so that's that's kind of what I see is that the kind of the key, um, the key kind of like exciting thing happened that, the uh, you know, we're working on and it's happening uh, post launch of these networks.
0: Very good. Where can people find out more about Moonbeam and your efforts there?
1: Yeah, I'd say that uh, you know probably our our website is a great place to start, so that's moonbeam.network. Uh, uh we are also uh, quite active on uh, Telegram and Discord. I'd say you know Telegram for the more general questions, but Discord is where uh, we engage in technical discussions with uh, t- you know uh, protocol development teams and you know other kinds of of technical folks.
0: Great. This was Derek Yu, founder of Moonbeam, as I alluded to uh, in the Polkadot ecosystem. There has been a fervor of, of action over the last few years, and uh, there is a lot of interest, uh, as I said again earlier on in the show, in this idea of Layer 1s that are going to be specialized, that are going to provide sector growth that we see either in nfts and gaming and DeFi and anything else that happens over the course of the future here so derek thank you for coming on hopefully we can have you on again soon and uh, we'll be catching up soon take care
1: thanks so much for having me david thanks
0: for listening in to Base layer if you like to show and all the different guests that we've brought on please give a like and subscribe on apple or spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage and let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn and I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.